means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the October 11th edition of the sunny side of sports. As we look forward to next month's World Cup football tournament in Qatar, one young African player to watch is the 22-year-old Ghanaian midfielder Mohamed Kudus, who is based in the Netherlands with the club Ajax Amsterdam. Kudus has been in fine form for Ajax, and I know many Ghanaian fans are hoping he'll carry over those European performances and shine brightly for the Black Stars in Qatar. After three rounds of matches in the UEFA Champions League group stage, Kudus has scored in all three of Ajax's games. A 4-0 victory over Scotland's Rangers in Amsterdam. A 2-1 loss to host Liverpool. And a 6-1 loss last week to Napoli in Amsterdam. Now, Ajax will play Napoli again on Wednesday in Italy. And we'll see if Mohamed Kudus can get on the score sheet once again. Meanwhile, the Italian club Napoli is off to a strong start in Group A with the maximum nine points from three matches. For analysis of the UEFA Champions League action so far, Iron Mike Mbonier contacted the chief football writer at aclsports.com. Fisayo Dairo. I think it was quite business as usual in the third match day of this season's UEFA Champions League. It was um, a round in which the top guns did the business that was expected of them. Save for the uh, for Barcelona of Spain, I think all other big teams secured important victories for themselves. The former, former champions Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Chelsea, the reigning champions Real Madrid, they all enjoyed convincing victories against their opponents and that is what uh, that's at least their fans could have expected for teams like Chelsea and Liverpool who did not start the season quite well. I mean, in the Champions League, both losing their first group games, now they've secured wins and they've forced themselves back into reckoning in terms of progressing to the next round of the championship. Also, Tottenham continue their struggles in Europe uh, forcing Eintracht, the, the German side, to a goalless draw away from home. And aside that, Napoli continued their impressive form. They are unexpectedly topping the, the group that has Liverpool, Glasgow Rangers, and of course, Hayek Amsterdam of Holland. So it's, it was quite an exciting round of matches, and the top goals, like I said, did the business. Mohamed Salah of Liverpool and Sadio Mane of Bayern Munich scored for their clubs. Do you know if there are other African players in the score sheet during the third round games? Oh yeah, a match day in the UEFA Champions League is never complete without a fair share of goals from African talent. So aside Mane and Salah, yes we have plenty other goals from Africans and if we start on Tuesday, one club that has really done remarkably well this season is Club Brugge and they have nine maximum points from three matches and that's in no, thanks in no small part to African stars. Kamal Sowa is a Ghanaian and he scored in their 2-0 win over Atletico Madrid on Tuesday and 
Nigerian defender Zaidu Sanusi also opened scoring for FC Porto in their 2-0 win over Bayer Leverkusen in the same group. Aside Salah's goal, we also had Ajax Amsterdam getting a goal from a Ghanaian, Mohamed Kudus. He has been in form this season. Six goals from six matches for him at that point as they went down 1-6 to Napoli in that interesting game at the Amsterdam Arena. These were some of the goals on Tuesday night and of course on Wednesday we also had a few more goals with Gabonese star Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scoring again for Chelsea in their 3-0 win over AC Milan at Stamford Bridge and that aside you have Riyad Mahrez scoring for Manchester City in their 5-0 trouncing of FC Copenhagen of Denmark Sevilla have not particularly started the season well both in the domestic and continental front and they again lost a home to German side Borussia Dortmund but this time they still had an African, Joseph Nesri scoring that vital goal for them. These were some of the African goals that we had in the UEFA Champions League last midweek and we expect more to come this week. Fisayo, after three rounds of games, can you assess the performances of African players in the leagues? Without any form of favouritism or prejudice, I must say that African Exports have really acquainted themselves well with the season. It's been uh, a especially difficult season for majority of them. Why? Because the games are coming thick and fast because a lot of these leagues are trying to hurry up to get to some certain stage before the World Cup break comes calling. So it's, it's an unprecedented season but African stars have also done well for themselves in their respective leagues. Yes, um, we, all, we already mentioned some of them that are doing well in, in the Champions League and domestically as well um, we have likes of Ishmael Benassa in Italy doing fine for AC Milan and in, in Spain we also have Francesi doing well for FC Barcelona among others so it can always be, get better for the Africans um, especially given the nature of the season but no doubt they've done very well for themselves and they will be proud of what they've done so far. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In English Premier League Football Monday, Nottingham Forest and visiting Aston Villa drew one all. Nottingham Forest took a 1-0 lead in the 15th minute on a header by Nigerian striker Emmanuel Dennis. It was the first goal of the season for the 24-year-old Dennis, who joined Nottingham Forest about two months ago from another English club, Watford. Ashley Young equalized for Aston Villa in the 22nd minute. Aston Villa now has nine points from nine matches, putting it in 16th place. Nottingham Forest, meanwhile, is currently in the relegation zone in 19th place with five points from nine matches. Taking a look at the English Premier League scoring charts, the tall Norwegian striker Erling Holland is having a fantastic debut season for Manchester City. 
He has 15 goals and nine matches for Man City, which is one point behind top of the table Arsenal. Harry Kane of Tottenham Hotspur is next with eight goals. And with Holland leading the way, Man City is the top-scoring Premier League team right now with 33 goals total. Let's compare that with rival Manchester United, which has 13 goals total in eight matches. I'm sure Man U's new first-team attacking coach, former South African star Benny McCarthy, would like to boost that scoring total. Who was the man responsible for McCarthy's move to Man U? Darren Taylor answers that question for us from Johannesburg. The man behind McCarthy's shock move is his Johannesburg-based but globe-trotting agent, Rob Moore. Unbeknown to his client, Moore contacted Ten Hag shortly after the Dutchman was appointed United manager in May. At the very least, I thought he may be an interesting candidate for Eric to consider. Moore suggested to Ten Hag he should look no further than McCarthy to be first-team attacking coach. As a player, he played at Ajax, so he understands how a lot of Dutch coaches think. He speaks four languages, English, Dutch, uh, Spanish and Portuguese, which is always very important when you are communicating with players and players of a big club where you sign players from all over the world. Then, says the agent, there was the matter of McCarthy's illustrious career as one of Europe's top goal scorers. He's a player who's won the Champions League. He's a player who won the Golden Boots as a top scorer in Portugal in 2004. And he came runner-up to Didier Drogba as the second highest goal scorer in the English Premier League in 2007. McCarthy also played for Blackburn Rovers and West Ham in England. Moore says that experience and knowledge of the English league also helped get an interview with Ten Hag. Benny spoke about the time when he's been coaching in South Africa and I think he mentioned something about under his time at Cape Town City and at Amazulu, nine players had never represented their country before and they won their first cap for their countries while being under the coaching of Benny McCarthy. So what that meant is that Benny McCarthy is not only a coach that can be on the field and win things, but he's a coach that can make players better, which may sound like an obvious thing, but it's not. Because a lot of coaches may look and they might buy players that are already established and at the peak of their career. Then it becomes more, how can they fit in tactically? How do their characters fit in, et cetera, et cetera. But a coach who can also make players better is also invaluable. A few days after McCarthy's interview with Ten Hag, the manager invited him to take a coaching session of the United Under-23 squad. About two months later, says Moore, he received a text from Ten Hag to offer McCarthy the job. Six games into the season, United midfielder Bruno Fernandes told South Africa's Supersport channel McCarthy had already made an impact. It's a pleasure for me because as a young player I was seeing him in Portugal playing obviously for Porto, scoring many goals, and it was a joy to see him. And obviously having him now, for many of my friends and some of my family, they support Porto, will be good for them that they can come to Manchester and see him, obviously. They will get a photo with him and everything. Working with him is a really funny person, he's, he's always positive, 
He's a good energy on, on the dressing room, on the training ground. He was quality as a player, he's quality as a manager because we do many drills from finishing, from headers and stuff that he was really doing really well when he was playing. So he can hopefully help us to score some goals that we didn't yet. United lost its first two matches, but then won the next four, including impressive wins over arch-rivals Arsenal and Liverpool, during which the team scored five goals, earning McCarthy praise from Red Devils fans. McCarthy grew up in Hanover Park, an area of Cape Town notorious for gang violence. But instead of doing drugs and toting guns, the youngster spent most of his time playing soccer in the streets, imagining himself playing for his beloved Manchester United. He established himself in South Africa before playing for several of Europe's best clubs. McCarthy says the highlight and low light of his career was scoring a brace of goals for Porto that knocked United out of the Champions League in 2004. Porto went on to win the trophy and McCarthy remains the only South African so far to have achieved that remarkable feat. Now, Moore jokingly says, Benny wants to make amends for that by helping Red Devils target men like Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho to find the net and lead Man United to glory. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. Heather Maxwell is the host of the Voice of America's longest-running English-language program. That's right. Music Time in Africa was founded in 1965 by the late, great Leo, the music man, Sarkeesian. For those keeping score, that means the show has been entertaining audiences for 57 years in the VOA's 80-year broadcasting history. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. My friend and VOA colleague, Action Jackson Vunganyi, recently spoke with Kelvin Twisa 
a sports marketing official in Tanzania, about the sports economy in Africa. Here's Jackson. Kelvin, thank you so much for joining us here on the sunny side of sports. Reports say that the sports economy on the continent, combined with the enormous potential of the continent's athletes, the young population, I think Africa is the youngest continent, could be a powerful factor in accelerating economic growth and social development. Uh, In your opinion, as a person who has been part of this for a while, what needs to be done to activate this potential? I think uh, at the end of the day, for us to be able to activate this potential, we have to align and uh, identify what are the challenges and the gaps within the sports industry as a whole. So I look at countries like Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and the rest of the East African bloc. There's a very big challenge in terms of uh, enabling factors for success in sports. And uh, these can be ranging anywhere from infrastructure, policies, as well as uh, building a bridge between sports and corporate sponsorship, or rather seeing sports as an investment, rather than seeing it as something that you walk around saying, can you please help me because we have a team that needs to go somewhere and play. Those good old days are ending slowly, but then there has to be more intentional uh, decisions made when it comes to policy as well as investment, both for government and private sector, to ensure that we get the most out of sports, where now if you look globally, the NBA, the NFL, the EPL, or even if you look at rugby, whether you're looking at uh, Europe, Asia, as well as other countries, even cricket in India, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, one of the things of that has always baffled me when I travel on the continent is I find so many people in bars watching uh, sports leagues like uh, the Premier League in England and uh, the NBA and other foreign sports leagues. Uh, You know, they're very much, uh, I guess, dedicated and committed to these, uh, you know, these teams uh, to the point where it's almost like a religion. And if a team like Arsenal or Barcelona or whatever is playing the, you know, in a specific city where you have a fan base, uh, the city is on a standstill. On the flip side of that is that when a local team is playing, it doesn't attract the same kind of fan base, uh, local fan base. But how do you explain the fact that more people on the continent consume sports from other continents? And how can that be changed? How can we change this dynamic? When you look at it from on the surface, it looks like that. But if you, you decide to go to particular geography and go deeper, you find that it's a bit different one market to another. So, again, when we talk about investment and enabling factors for allowing local sports to thrive, one, I will not dispute that uh, most Africans across most of the Anglophone countries are very much interested in the EPL, with the Francophone following up the French League, which you see. But then when you look more into a country like uh, Kenya uh, or Tanzania, the dynamics are so different. Um, in Tanzania today, you have Azam Premier League. So, as, sorry, Azam is a broadcaster. Now, Azam does at least five games of the local league every, every, every week. So when you talk about five games a week across the geography of Tanzania, that is quite exciting. So people are actually subscribing more in terms of numbers to Azam where they are watching those games. There's something called Vibanda Omiza, those small, small viewing stations. It's very big. Most of the local pubs, sports bars, have had to adapt to Azam because in some cases, even some of the big European league may not be on DSTV. There is on Azam. So Azam is a business. One of the key drivers for their subscription 
is the local league. And when you look at how much money they're really putting into it, if I'm not mistaken, for 10 years, they've decided to put almost $50 million. This is money going for broadcast rights, and it's money trickling down to the teams that are playing the NBC Premier. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming more and more exciting. Is, and is this that, a new phenomenon? Is, is this something that is kind of new to the market? It started about 2013 when, the, when, when they came in on board and uh, launched Azam Broadcast. And when they did, that's the first move they made. They got into the football scene and actually produce and air local games on a regular basis, which is not a phenomenon available in other countries. Seven years ago, the, the South African broadcasting uh, giant, uh, I guess the, the sport, super sport is called, they, they signed yeah. a millions dollar worth, uh, I think it's the deal that uh, worth a million dollars per year with the local football association in Zambia. What, yeah. what other deals of this nature exist? You talked about Azam uh, in East Africa, uh, but what are some of the lessons for you as a marketer to draw from this arrangement between uh, Supersport and the, the Football Association of Zambia? I think the case of Zambia is very unique. Um, Zambia, Zambians are more into their local league than they are on international leagues. And part of it is the success of having infrastructure and engagement at the community level. So when you have a team like Red Arrows in Zambia playing, uh, people actually go to the stadium. There's a football economy that exists there. Not as valuable as the one in Tanzania today, if you're talking about sponsorship amounts that the younger and Simba will command. But it's always been lively. It's always been active. So if you're a broadcaster, you don't want to be left out where someone like Star Times or someone like Azam can come in and pick up the league, which would be a big uh, acquisition uh, driver for them to capture that. So the Super Sports was at some point in Nigeria with the league. They were in. Uh, they were also in uh, in Kenya, but they decided to pull back in terms of the local leagues. But for Zambia, they couldn't afford to lose that market, and they were. I would say it just made business sense for them to be part of it. So if you go and look, you see that the Zambia League are featured on uh, on Super Sports as the main broadcaster, and it's value for money. So if I'm an advertiser in Zambia, you know, I know that the games are watched not only in Zambia, but I also see the games if I want to watch them from this because it's part of the what they call the rest of Africa okay. feed. Yeah. Yes, it's part of the pattern. They're slotted within the, the super sports uh, bouquet, depending on when and what you're watching at that particular time. Mm. So it clearly shows that there is value. But then again, the other challenge would be, for example, in Tanzania, only as of two years ago, Azam has gone ahead and started investing into the floodlights in the stadiums. So the games can be aired at 7 p.m., even 9 p.m. if you want, which means you have more eyeballs watching the game. So if I'm sponsoring the team, my jersey can be seen, perimeter balls can be seen. We also get to see the players. You are entertained at a time when you're not uh, trying to earn your, your, your living because in some countries like Kenya, uh, until uh, pre-COVID time, I was growing up, there was no broadcaster. Even if there was, the games were played during the day. This can be a case where you don't have facilities that have floodlights apart from a few national stadiums. So it becomes one of those things where... It's an issue of infrastructure. Exactly. Mm. Now, in Zambia, they have amazing stadiums uh, spread across the country. In South Africa, we don't even want to talk about it because it's a massive economy as a whole. South African players, you need to give them a big incentive to leave South Africa. You have a team sponsored by Audi. Every player gets a car every year. While in some countries, you barely get $1,000 salary to go on the team. You're a main star. So all these things, it comes back to, we know the lessons. We know what works and what makes it work. That's Kelvin Twisa, a sports marketing official in Tanzania. 
And Kelvin spoke with my VOA colleague, Action Jackson Vungani from Tanzania. Hi, guys. I'm Ferdinand Omanyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. As I mentioned earlier in the show, it's been a fantastic debut season for Man City's Norwegian striker Erling Holland, who will be back on the pitch later Tuesday evening in Denmark. Copenhagen will host Man City in a UEFA Champions League game. Man City's manager, Pep Guardiola, has some comments about Holland in this match preview by VOA's Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Manchester City have been relentless on the pitch since the start of the new season. Man City are currently second in Premier League standings, one point behind leaders Arsenal, and they're on course to seal a spot in the Champions League last 16. The club's dominance is headline by the astonishing achievements of newly signed Norwegian striker Erling Holland, who has so far scored 15 of the club's 33 Premier League goals and is the first player in history to achieve a hat trick in three consecutive home games in league competition. And on the eve of Man City's Champions League match at FC Copenhagen, manager Pep Guardiola described Holland as one of his best strikers. Absolutely, is one of the best. No doubt about that. I had many, They're very, very good, all of them, and Erling is one of them. So the numbers speak for itself. For the fact that uh, early age, how many goals in Champions League in the Norway, in Austria, in Germany, now in in England. So, so it's, I speak a lot about him about these questions, but. Sometimes I said I should not sell anything. It just look the numbers. What he does on the pitch, it will be enough. It will be enough. Last week, Holland scored twice in Man City's one-sided 5-0 victory over Copenhagen. But Pep Guardiola insists he will not take his upcoming opponents lightly. We are not going to underestimate them, that's for sure. It's our nature, the nature of the manager, the players they have, and the nature of the players. That's why in these seasons all the time we try to reach lesser stages in all competitions. And tomorrow will not be an exception. So hopefully if it doesn't work well, it's because Copenhagen did it really, really well, not because we were not in our best. So Champions League, we don't have many options, we have few, and we have to use it. And tomorrow we have the the first match ball, you know, to finish already in the in the last 16, and and we're going to try to get it tomorrow. Man City are undefeated at the top of Group G with a maximum nine points from their first three games. A victory on Tuesday will advance them into the knockout stages and take them one step closer in their quest to lift the Champions League trophy for the first time. Man City came just short of clinching the title in 2021 when they suffered a 1-0 defeat in the final to Chelsea, who are now preparing for a tough Champions League clash of their own at AC Milan. Chelsea sealed a 3-0 victory over Milan last week, and Chelsea manager Graham Potter said he hopes the team will keep their momentum in Tuesday's match inside the iconic San Siro Stadium. It's an incredible place here. 
Um, completely different game. The AC Milan will try to use the home advantage just like, like we did. And um, two good teams, uh, two quite evenly matched teams, I think. So it's going to be a fantastic game. Really looking forward to it. Tuesday, we'll also see Chelsea centre-back Thiago Silva return to San Siro to face his former Serie A club. But Graham Potter says Silva's future in the Premier League is looking bright. You know, I've been here three, four weeks. Uh, I see his qualities. He's an incredible, like I said, incredible person, incredible player. Um, the level he can play at, the performance levels he can reach, the amount of respect he has throughout the game is just incredible. So um, all I can do is, is try and help him enjoy his football here, be part of a winning team, and then, and then the rest, all that stuff, is, is something for him and the club to think about. Chelsea are currently second in Group E and hope to make it two of two against third-place Milan for their fourth-round UEFA Champions League match on Tuesday. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And that wraps up the October 11th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. <laughs>